Well, that gives you a little glimpse into what happens in our kids' ministry environments and our student ministry environments on a regular, every week basis. And we really believe those environments are important because we believe the next generation is important. So once a year, we set aside a Sunday to cast some vision and explain the why, but also to try and do some equipping to help each of you play a role in reaching and serving the next generation because it's really, really important and really, really impactful. So this today actually is a bonus track from the last two series we've done to start the year at Live Oak. We started the year with a series called Fight, that some things are worth fighting for, and this is a bonus track to the Fight series because two reasons. We believe the next generation is worth fighting for. Thank you. And they're also in a pretty big fight. Uh, You don't have to be too far removed from being a teenager or a kid to recognize that it's changed a lot very quickly. The things that we dealt with in college and teenage years are now getting pushed to a younger and younger age, and it is hard to be a kid and to be a teenager. And so they're in a fight, and we believe the next generation is worth fighting for. We also uh, did this series called Neighboring, that the great commandment was to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That includes your neighbors that are in the next generation, and I think it includes the neighboring generations to where you're currently living. However old you are, there is a generation right behind you. It might be a year behind you or a decade behind you or more that needs what you and uniquely you can bring to their life. The Great Commandment says love God and love people. The Great Commission said go and make disciples, and we believe that that, both of those things happen in an important way with the next generation. When I always thought about when Jesus said to go and make disciples of all the world, I always thought about the geographic implications of that. I need to go beyond my neighbor, but including my neighbor, across the street and across the globe. But if you start thinking about it, I think it also includes not just geography, but but time. It includes generations. Go into all the world, every generation of the world, because every generation that's born is a generation that's born not knowing who God is and the difference he can make in their life. And so we changed our missional footprint here at Live Oak to say it's not just go and make disciples across the street and across the globe, but also to the next generation. And the need is pretty big. There's, there's a story written and accounted for in two different gospels. Matthew and Mark both do it. In Matthew 19 and Mark 10, and incidentally, the the verses are exactly the same in both chapters, and chapters and verses were added later to help us navigate and help find our way, but they're the exact same verses in different chapters and different gospels, but they tell the same account, where one day as Jesus is there, and parents and families are bringing their kids to Jesus, and the disciples are kind of playing the bouncer role and not dropping the velvet rope to let them have access to Jesus. At that time, kids were not highly valued in society. And Jesus did more to elevate the status of kids than maybe anybody else at that time in history. And he says to the disciples, no, 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 let the little children come to me. And when he said that, the kids came running. Kids are flocking to Jesus. And then he blesses them and he has some interaction with them. The very next story that's told, and I don't think this is on accident, we're told it's a young guy with wealth and a position of power. 
And he comes to Jesus with questions. And the great commandment comes up, love God and love your neighbor. And they talk about that. And Jesus sees that in his questioning about what does it look like to really inherit eternal life and to get it right. And Jesus says, love God, love people. But he says, he calls out in this guy's life. He goes, right now, you love money more than anything. You need to get rid of that. And it says this young man walks away sad because he had great wealth. So you have these kids, and Jesus says, let them come to me, and they come running. And then you have this young adult who has questions, but he has this tight fist on wealth, and he walks away. Something's gotten a hold of his heart, and he walks away sad from Jesus. And I think that's very much a picture of what, and that's not a new trend in our day. It was going on then. I think that there's something that happens between the kids' years and through our teenage years into adolescence, what they say can go to age 24, kind of developmentally. There's something that happens in those years where Jesus says, come, come to me, and we come running as kids, many of us. And then as a teenager, we experience a challenge or something starts shaping us besides God, and we're willing to walk away from him. That happened to me. I mean, I, I was one of those kids that, as a kid, when Jesus and my parents said, you know, follow Jesus, absolutely. And then as I got older, other things got a grip on my life. And I was willing to walk away from faith. There's something that happens in those years that I think God designed, designed us to have people that are involved in our life that help us navigate that challenge. This was not a, a, a new problem, a new challenge that was happening to the rich young ruler and these kids or in my life. From the very beginning, I think Jesus knew there was a difficult terrain to navigate growing up. And it was important that every life be connected to him. So he instructed the church, his followers, his people to live this way. In, in Psalm 78, it says this, my people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth, I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors, previous generations have told us. We will not hide them, what's been told to us, from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob, and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, the next generation and the next generation, and they would, in turn, tell their children. Then, when that happens, when the generations tell the next generations, they would put their trust in God. This is the whole goal of it. I firmly believe every life would be better if they trusted God with all their heart. And he says, when we do that, when we tell the next generation, this is the result of that. They would not forget his deeds, but they would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. He said, there's two paths we can go. And a lot of it hinges on what the next generation decides to do with the faith that they see lived out in front of them and the faith that they're told about. But every generation is prone to forgetfulness about who God is, what he's done, 
and what he's doing. And he says, it's on us to live an authentic faith and to tell the next generation what they've done. And then the rest of Psalm 78 goes through this cycle that the people of Israel did. God would do something in their life. They would be extremely grateful. They'd say, we're going to give you everything and follow you with all our hearts. And they do until they don't. <laughs> and then, ah, life's pretty good. Let's go this way. Let's do this. And then they would wander away. And God would let kind of the consequences play out, but then he would not turn his back on them and they would come back and he would miraculously intervene. And they would say, wow, how amazing is God? What were we thinking? And then they forgot what they were doing. They forgot what God was doing and they started just drifting again and it happened again and again and again. And it tells the story of how David was this person that God kind of inserted into their history. And if you watch his family tree, some of them are a mess and some of them are faithful. But David's impact of his faith and his mistakes both have a rippling effect on the next generations. And David is this example of someone who, when he got it right, he had an impact on the next generation. And it says this at the end of Psalm 78. David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. This is what he did as a king, but this is, this is a great roadmap for you. If you have any kind of influence as a leader, this is a, this is a great verse for you. But especially if you want to be someone who has an impact on influencing and leading the next generation as a parent, as a grandparent, as a teacher, as a coach, as a neighbor, as someone who's a small group leader, anything. There are really four things you could develop to have an impact on the next generation. It says David shepherded them. He shepherded the people. The next generation needs shepherds. They need teachers. They need instructors. And they also need shepherds. There are all kinds of threats to their hearts. Their hearts will go through all kinds of fights. And what they need is someone to walk with them through it. A shepherd doesn't send the orders to the sheep and say, hey, just go this, go this, go this, go this. They walk with them. They protect them from threats, and they're just with them, guiding them along the way. Shepherding really means to know and care for the next generation personally, life on life, and walk them through the seasons of life. What would it look like for you to grow a shepherding heart for the next generation? Maybe it's your kids or your grandkids. Maybe it's my kids. Maybe it's the kids across the street. Maybe it's the kids... Right now, that are meeting in a small group over there where they have some shepherds placed in there because from a very young age, we don't have classes. We have small groups because we want them to have shepherds in their life. And as you do that, David did it with integrity of heart. What the next generation needs, what every generation needs, is to see people live out an authentic faith. Not a sanitized faith, but an authentic faith where you, they see the struggles you deal with. And they see what's going on in your life, but they see you authentically loving God and loving people. An authentic faith gives people not just an example to follow, but permission sometimes to fail. Permission to come back to the table when they've wandered away. Integrity of heart, being true inside and out with your faith is incredibly important. Then it says that David had skillful hands. Sometimes there are skills you need to develop to shepherd and lead the next generation. Because it is different being a kid than when you were a kid. Some things are the same, some things are different. It's a different world. When I was a kid, we didn't have devices like we do now. So I need to understand the impact of technology on my heart and my kid's heart. 
There are different things in our world. There are different threats. There are different challenges. Developmentally, some things are the same, but some things have changed. Develop the skills to know and serve the next generation. Maybe you're just like, man, I want to help, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to have conversations. Do you know that we could help equip you to have conversations? Do you know, actually, if you're a parent, there's an app, and there's a handout in your um, program about this, the Parent Q app, that actually every week can give you a question to talk about with your kids that reflects some of what we're talking about on a Sunday morning over there. So for both my son and daughter, I can pull that up, and it says, hey, this week, ask them this when you're driving. Ask them this at bedtime. There are skills that you could develop to make an impact on the next generation. And then it says when David had that, had that he led them. At some point, leaders lead. You point people in the right direction, and you set the example with words and with action, and you lead them. Hey, follow me. Perhaps the most impactful thing you could do for the next generation is simply to live out an authentic faith of following Jesus. Find someone who's the next generation and say, let's follow Jesus together. What questions do you have? I love that when the young man approached Jesus, he didn't turn him away with his questions. He answered it. And it says that, that Jesus loved him. He didn't say, and Jesus was disappointed in him because he brought questions. No. What if the most impactful thing you could do is simply to involve some people in the next generation in your story, and you involve yourself in somebody else's story, and just follow Jesus together and live out an authentic faith? Step into their world and walk the very long journey of growing up. And for some of us, we think, man, I don't, I don't want to go back there. It was hard for me. That's precisely the reason we should go back. But it's also because Jesus said, this is how the next generation will know. God will always do, be doing amazing and wondrous things, but it's up to one generation to say, we received that. We saw it. We point to it. And we're letting God work in our lives so they can know he can work in theirs as well. And then over time, because that journey is a long journey, and over time, things that are done repeatedly over time, these investments in the next generation pay off. We had retreat weekend this weekend, and it was great, and it'll make a difference. But over time, there are other things that are needed. This is one thing. Every Wednesday night, student ministries in here, and they have worship that's led by the band you heard this morning, and they have small group leaders that pour in their lives, and those small group leaders try to invest in them in other ways throughout the week. On Sunday mornings, there's kids worship over there and, and kids' small groups. There are things that happen, but really, it is not an event or a, pro, or a program that will change somebody's life. It is God working in a kid's life and in a student's life, and primarily, God chooses to work through his people. And there are six things that you can do over time over time, that could really make an impact on the next generation. Every kid, every student over time needs love. And love over time makes an impact because no matter how many times you hear it, there will always be something or someone to remind you, hey, maybe you're not as loved as you thought you were. Maybe one of the reasons Jesus tells us that we need to always be thinking about loving our neighbor is because we are prone to forget that we are deeply loved by God and by others, that we matter. And what happens, and when there is love over time, what it does is it, it expresses worth. Love is given and people know that they have worth, that they matter, that they have value. Primarily, this happens 
by simply showing up in someone's life and being committed to somebody no matter what, good day, bad day, ugly day, whatever it is, over time, I will express love with presence. That's why we challenge our small group leaders in student ministry to show up consistently week after week after week so they know that you're there, even though you had a test this week. And it was not uncommon for some of our college students or small group leaders to show up when they have a big test the next day and show up, and even beforehand, before students arrive, they're pouring over their notes. I always did that, but I always waited until about midnight the night before a test to study. Like, we have much more diligent students in our student ministry that are serving, but what they will do is, even though I've got a big test tomorrow, oftentimes they're here. Because they know showing up week after week after week, it's love over time that tells a middle schooler, you matter to me. They show up predictably. They show up randomly. All of a sudden, and you know what happened in my son's life? He was playing basketball last week. He's a fourth grader, and, and all of a sudden, he's on the bench, and he's sitting out for one of the quarters, and, and in walks the room, Austin, uh, I almost said Austin Matthews. That's the place uh, center for the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> Austin, who was up here leading uh, worship this morning, and, and Austin walks in to watch my son play basketball. And John, I, I pointed to him on the bench, and John kind of looks at him and goes, kind of waves, and he realizes Austin, he goes, oh, I just saw him light up. And those kind of deposits over time in his life will let my son know he's loved. Love over time communicates worth. And then words over time, the things we speak into a kid or a student or a college student, words over time provides direction. Because words over time, it's a way we communicate truth. It's a way we encourage. Sometimes it's a way where there's correction. And words over time, although they're not always received, are always valuable. And just because somebody's not listening or you think they're not listening, say truth. Speak loving words, speak encouragement, speak correction. Because words over time provide direction. And for many of us, we had that realization where one day we thought, oh, you know what, that adult, that parent, my mom, she said it, and I was like, I would roll my eyes. I would shake my head. I was like, oh, you're embarrassing me. Or you, don't, you just don't understand. But over time, some of us came to that point like, I should have listened the first time. That's a painful moment where you have to call your mom and say, yeah, you were right. I, I, I should have listened more. And the truth is, in my life, I was listening more than I let on. And so words over time, and simple words of encouragement, simple words that are truth. And so if, if we know that words matter, and they say sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me, that's not true. Words are devastating. But they're also amazingly powerful. And words over time that are repeated, you matter. You're valuable. I see something in you. I remember Miss Bernard, a history teacher in ninth grade, that spoke some truth into me. I was terrible at school, except at history. And she was my history teacher in ninth grade. And I remember her saying, you're really gifted at history. It's like, great, what can I do with that? You know, it's like stuff that had already happened. I can remember dates and can connect dots. I'm like, but it did something. It, it made me believe if I can do something here, maybe I can do something in another subject. Math was incredibly hard for me. And I think her words of encouragement over time made a difference. Giftings that were called out. Truth that was told because, and here's what you have to do. You need to weigh your words. Make sure you're careful with the words you speak. Because it 
It is not in the Bible that you can forgive and forget. Like, we, we remember words that are spoken. So weigh those carefully. And if you say something to someone in the next generation and it was the wrong thing, own it. Live out an authentic faith and say, I messed up. I'm sorry. Perhaps saying, I'm sorry or please forgive me to someone who's younger than you could go farther than you could possibly imagine. So it's love over time and words over time and then stories over time. Stories over time gives perspective. We're wired for story. Uh, who's the lady that wrote Harry Potter? What's her name? Whatever they said. Rowling, yeah. She, she talks about how stories are impactful because we have this imagination that the more you, when you read a story, they can actually do research on the brain. They can map out the brain. And when you're reading or connected to a story, things come alive in us. We're wired for story. That's why Jesus oftentimes told a story to make a point. That's why you see movies. That's why you read books. Stories connect to the heart. They bring alive the mind. And suddenly, and one of the reasons we read stories as kids is because it helps us develop a perspective that it's not always just about me. I can think about others. It develops empathy and compassion. Sometimes it, it provides inspiration and encouragement, but there's something about story. Telling your story to the next generation could matter. Telling God's story could matter. Help them understand what's going on in their story can make a difference. Stories matter because they give perspective. Sometimes the most important truth you need to communicate will happen through a story, not through a simple sticky note. Here's what you need to do. Or here's what you need to know. And then sometimes it's simply fun over time. One of the best things, ways you can have an impact on the next generation is find someone who's in the next generation and just have fun together. Go do something fun. Because a lot of times when you're having fun with someone, you, have, you form, and what it does, this does is it forms connection. Fun over time provides connection. I feel like we're just friends, like we know each other. There's a connection made. And fun breaks barriers. It tears down walls. It builds bridges. And fun over time expl explains and, and kind of communicates, you matter enough to me that I'm willing to laugh with you. I'm willing to be silly with you. I remember having one really hard day with my son, and um, he had built a tent in his room, and we were in the fight series, and I was like, you know what, what it looks like for me to fight with my, for my kid right now instead of fighting with him, fighting for my son? I just need to get in the tent with him. I just need to do that. There's something about just having fun together that creates a connection. And sometimes it's those conversations that you're having fun that, that makes a difference. I took a father-son weekend with my son uh, early January for his birthday. We went to Dallas, and the very first night, we are going to stay in a hotel and go see a basketball game one day and a hockey game the next. And I had all these questions, this words over time and this stories over time I wanted to build into his life. But I did it with fun over time in mind. And I thought about it. And I had these questions. And so we sit down at dinner the first night. And I told several people the story. Like we're talking. And it's just he and I at a table, a Mexican restaurant in Dallas, downtown. And we're talking. And I ask him one question, two questions, three questions. And he, call, he, call, he caught me right away. He called it out. Like he was on to me. And he stops. And it was the funniest thing. I don't know where he got this. Like, like I'm sitting here. He's sitting here. There's no one else with us. But he looks off to the side. Like I'll be my son. Like he's, he's talking to me. And all of a sudden he looks at the side and he goes, Look at this funny guy with all the questions. Like he's looking at a camera or something. Like, 
I'm like, man, I, I, I don't know if you got that from TV or whatever, but man, he sniffed it out, but he didn't turn away my questions all weekend. We had good dialogue because we we're having fun over time. And it's not just fun we need, we also need work over time. Work, that's why chores are important. It develops responsibility. It helps them know what we talked about in a series we did in August called Mondays Matter that really work, God designed us for work. Work's not part of the fall. Work was part of creation. We were created to add value and do something, to have purpose in life, and work over time helps us develop significance. I matter, and I can contribute something of worth and value to the world. That's why chores are important. So is service. My son is on the worship team this morning, serving. Serving others makes a difference. It helps develop purpose. I have something to offer. And then the last thing really over time that's needed, and we are a big believer in this here, is tribes. A place to belong. That's what tribes over time, it helps develop belonging. I've got a place. I've got people that no matter what state, condition I'm in when I show up, good week, bad week, I'm on track or I'm off the rails, whatever it is, when I show up, I can belong here. And if you do not create a place for a kid or student to belong, they will find one. But it is our job to serve the next generation of creating a place where no matter what, this is a place where you can belong. You matter here. That's why God places us in family. Families matter. That's why we have small groups instead of classes. Groups, tribes matter. We've used this stat a lot. It's been said that every kid, uh, you know, when you go on a ski trip, you like you need one chaperone or one leader for every five kids. It's really research that says together. Every kid or student needs five adults in their life that are investing them, know them, that are safe. Well, let's flip that around. If every kid needs five adults in their life, what if every adult just said, I'm going to find five people in the next generation, whether they're my family tree or not, and I'm going to try and be a safe person who invests in them and do these things over time. Tribes really do matter. And here's the list again. If you miss it, it's also on a handout in your program. But love over time and words over time, stories over time, fun over time, work over time, tribes over time. You can do some of this. But sometimes just getting started is tough to know what do you do. One thing we say at Live Oak is everybody should do something to know and invest in the next generation. If Live Oak is your church home, and I would argue that if you are a follower of Jesus, everyone should do something to know and invest in the next generation. It will look different for people, but everyone should do something. So if you're going to do something, what will you do? And one of the things we say a lot that helps us kind of figure out maybe what that looks like is, think back to when you were in college, high school, middle school, elementary school. Be the person you needed when you were that age of the person you're thinking about. So if you know a middle schooler, what did you need when you were in middle school? And yes, the world has changed since then, but people still need love and truth. You can do something. Be the person you needed when you were that age. And the question is, well, where do I get started? Start with your own family. Kids, grandkids, start with your neighbors. Now, it gets a little tricky if it goes beyond your family because there's a, we live in a day, day and age where there's some people out there with uh, not the best intentions of investing in the next generation. So there's a s- suspicion out there, and for good reason, but maybe it's partnering with the dad of the person you want to impact. Maybe it's formally. There's some organic ways you can do that. Maybe someone, if you're, 
If you're a teacher, man, there's some obvious ways you can do this. And you do it every day. And we say it right here a lot. I think teachers and people work, who work in education are the most strategically placed leaders in our city. And if we don't do all we can to support and encourage and, 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 and be a part of what they're doing, we are missing an opportunity. Students are critical. I mean, teachers are critical in the lives of the students they lead. There's some ways you can do that with, with your family and with your neighbors and, and at work if you're a teacher or you're involved in education. But maybe it's stepping in and serving here. I don't think we'll ever get to a point where we think we have too many people wanting to serve the next generation. We have too many small group leaders with kids ministry, too many small group leaders with students. We will always want that because everybody needs multiple people investing in their life. And if you want to step in and serve, fill out a connection card or come see me or Tammy, who you saw on stage today, and you think, well, I'm not really cut out to be a small group leader. There's something you could do to serve the next generation. And I do believe everybody can do something to know and reach and serve the next generation. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus was looking at the crowd. He said this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I think that describes the next generation, our, our, our adolescent years, very, very well. If you stop and look at the next generation, I hope you'll really see what's going on in their world what's going on in their heads and hearts, the amount of fear, the amount of anxiety, and many kids, the amount of pain, the, the threats that are combating them. So he sees this, and then he, he tells his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. There's lots of needs out there, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in the harvest field. I would challenge you to do that. Look and see and know the next generation, and pray God sends people out there. But you need to know that when the disciples prayed this, the very next thing Jesus did was say, now I'm going to send you out into the harvest field. Go. So what does it look like for you to pray for the next generation and then go? Where will you go and who will you know and invest in? And the best thing you can do is point them to Jesus but love them over time. Because it says this, because we loved you so much, Paul was talking about this group of people, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our lives as well. Give the next generation an authentic faith, point them to Jesus, and love them over time. We actually have some resources outside to help you. Uh, there's a resource. If you walk straight out that door, it's kind of straight out that way. There's a bookshelf with lots of books. There are these phase books. For instance, I've got one, Parenting Your Fourth Grader and Parenting Your Second Grader. And there's amazing research into the development and unique things in these kids' lives at this phase that could help you as a parent or grandparent. You can take one of these. There's a donation jar there if you want to help invest in this because we want to keep these on, on, on hand. But this is a resource that we want to put in the hands of parents. If you want to invest in helping us do that, then give that donation jar or give online. But just take one. And if your age runs out, there's an order form at the bottom of the stack. You can order them and we'll, we'll help get these for you. Because every phase is a unique opportunity in a kid's uh, distinct opportunity to, to influence a kid's future because of the unique phase they're at, present re uh, realities and distinctive opportunities that are developmentally unique for a fourth grader that you can leverage to help them know God, love God, and know that they're loved by God and by you. There's also some marble jars, and the marbles represent every week in the life of a kid until graduation. So for a, a newborn, that's 936 weeks. 
My son has 438 weeks to graduation if everything goes according to plan. My daughter has 542 if everything goes according to plan. And there's something about when you see how much time you have left, it helps you make the most of the time that you have. And suddenly when you know your grandkid or your kid has that much time before they theoretically go off the payroll or move out, you view every day and a week as an opportunity to say, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss this opportunity. So I hope when you leave, you'll go out and check out the Faith Center. And again, if you're a parent or grandparent of this age, pick up a book. And when you're they're done with that phase, pass it on to another parent in that phase. And let's know, seek to know and invest in the next generation. Let's stand for closing prayer. One thing that some of you have done, I just want to thank you for. Uh, we don't ever do a public ask for this, but a lot of times there will be a kid or a student or a family that can't quite invest to go to camp or retreat weekend. And some of you, without asking, being asked, uh, have donated to send kids to camp or send a student to the Global Leadership Summit or send somebody to retreat weekend. Um, thank you for doing that. And if you guys would ever want to have interest in doing that for a kid or a student, please let me know. We'd love to have you invest in them because I do think investing financially in the next generation makes a difference. But what you do to invest in the next generation relationally will make more of a difference than you think. And in two weeks, we're doing a series called Kids FAQ where we're going to let, it's a family Sunday uh, in two weeks, where we're going to look at questions kids submit about faith and about God, and we're going to answer those in a panel in here. Kids will be in here, kindergarten and up. Chances are those kids have some of the same questions you do. You can submit questions from your kid, parent, uh, grandparent, or or parents can submit questions from their kid or or grandkid um, through the Live Oak app or website, through the sign-ups link. So please help us have some good questions, because I know kids have them. We've heard a lot of them so far. We've got a good running start. The other thing is next Sunday, March 11th, is Time Change Sunday. Not the good one. Next week, we're going to spring forward with reckless abandon. It's the closest we'll come to time travel, perhaps in our lifetime. We will jump forward an hour. So if you show up at 930 next week without changing your uh, clock, you will come at the end of the service. But I want to encourage you to be here next week because it'll, it'll be a great week together. And the light will be a little bit different. Uh, Let's celebrate spring forward together in all its majesty. Let's pray together. God, thanks that you, uh, there was somebody who went before us that probably invested in us. They lived out of faith. They pointed us to you. They loved us over time. At somewhere, you probably placed someone in our story that made a difference. Place me in somebody's story. Place us in somebody's story that needs someone to know them and love them, and point them to you to shepherd them. God, I pray you'd help us as a church do everything we can possibly do to make an impact on the next generation, that we would be faithful to live out an authentic faith and love kids the way you do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for being here. If you'd like to talk, I'll be down at the front and stop by the Faith Center, uh, or the Resource Center as you leave.